0: Uh, I manifest a lot of things Wherever you are, the universe will rise up to meet you with the dream People were, excuse me honey, you're blocking, you're blocking Halle Berry Step over, <laughs> you know, nobody was looking for me My classmates teased me, they used to tease me and they used to say that I, that I sound like a goat Every time someone told me no, I was like okay, I'll show you I left school at 16 and I went to work in a delicatessen to save money to get the train to London to go on auditions.
1: Everything in life will go exactly how it was supposed to go. I made like a big poster with all the things that I want to accomplish. So when I make my vision board, I actually photoshopped myself into
0: specific situations really? I want. Yes.
1: The cover of Sports Illustrated and the cover of Vogue were
0: on my vision board. I didn't hear the naysayers when they were like, you're too old to go to California. If you don't hit my 25, you're not going to make it. Be 46 this year. I am just touching the surface. I am just getting started. I don't know if you have this character in Israel, if she's big or not, but did you ever hear about Wonder Woman? I was like. <laughs> you have to dream big. You have to you have to believe yourself there. I dreamed of this. Just manifest it. Just believe it to be so. Everything. Is figure outable. And I said, one day I'm gonna have a star here. I'm gonna have a star. And I picked the spot and I said, it's gonna be right here. And this empty, this is an empty one. I'm gonna, it's gonna be right here. And 20 years to the day, I got
1: my star on the Walk of Fame, probably five feet from where I said that there's a space for everybody. I made a vision board. Mm -hmm. It was a house, a horse, and Ellen. Did you get the house and horse? I have the house and the horse
0: and here I am. Oh man, you. that's sweet.
1: Find like creative visualization, really the core of any success I've had in my life, whether it's in my personal life or career, like that is at the core of everything I do. I think everything off that board came true.
0: If God be for you, who can be against you?
1: Okay, so I thought that I would open up the episode of Nobody Asked the Podcast this week with that montage of a bunch of different celebrities talking about how they overcame what they needed to overcome and how they visualized their future and did not let that go. So if, if you weren't really grasping it the first time, feel free to rewind and go back because I think... That montage is just absolutely incredible. Um, it's full of um women who have obviously uh taken so much success, or not taken, have achieved so much success um in 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 a certain in, in a certain aspect. Not everybody would uh consider that like their success, but it was really uh, one thing that I do want to talk about is the um person that was talking about how they wanted a like Walk of Fame star in a certain spot. And then 20 years later, they got their star and it was really, really close to where they wanted it. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, you hear online about manifestation this, manifestation that, energy this, whatever. But you don't realize or you don't get a lot of examples, I guess, of people that have actually used some sort of manifestation type of visualization of what they want in their future and really took it. So to have all of these people for literally what was the video? Like two minutes say I've done it and this is this is a key to my success. Was really lovely because, um, yeah, I I mean, I don't want want to like discredit the people you see online like oh I manifested this into my life, I did this, but like, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different when you uh, see it in this way. Um, so, I thought that that was a perfect primer for the topic this week, which is rejection to stardom. Now, I feel like. You know, I got a lot of inspiration from that video, and I wanted to do this entire episode for quite a while, but I kept finding new things to add to the episode. I kept finding out that so-and-so person only found success later in life. So-and-so person changed their career and then found success. Um, So I, I wanted to wait, and I, I got busy, I'm going to be honest. Um, But really, I just kept finding stuff, and I knew that I... Did not have a complete episode yet. So, hopefully, this is a great episode for you. I know that I really enjoyed putting it all together. And I know that there's so many stories out there that aren't in this episode that I think there must be like a part two, part three, part four eventually. But right now, we're in part one. And it was sparked by an article I saw about Millie Bobby Brown, who many of us know as Eleven from Stranger Things who went on to basically just being the child star of our like era sort of or not our oh well are we done the era? I, I don't know if we're done the era she's still pretty um, uh, popular these days she's Anola Holmes she got a second movie and uh, she continues to be one of the highest paid actresses at her age, if not the highest paid. I think she is the highest paid, which, you know, money isn't always success to people. But I know that I don't think I really talk about this part. I feel like we could do a whole episode about Millie Bobby Brown. I feel like she would find that maybe a little bit weird. But I think her story's really, really incredible. And I may consider putting a part of it in another episode or a future edition, because I read somewhere that just basically... Before she got Stranger Things, her family was not homeless, but um, struggling financially, which is a common story among many people these days and throughout, you know, decades and years in history. Um, And definitely a common story between uh, people who eventually make it and weren't a a part of, like, nepotism or whatever. So... um, to get into this, it was the article I found um, that really sparked it all. And it's by Variety. Let me just see who wrote it because I, I do always like giving credit to them. It was written by Zach Scharf. Hopefully I said that correctly or Scharf. Did I say sh- Zarf? I don't know. Zach Scharf. Um, Millie Bobby Brown cried after casting director rejected her at 10 years old. So at 10 years old, a, quote, powerful casting director rejected her for being too mature. And that line itself really struck me because I recently watched season one of Stranger Things. I didn't get on the Stranger Things bandwagon for quite a while, but I knew all about the the cast. And I would, for some reason, kind of watch their interviews, but like know nothing about their work. Um and then I eventually watched the first season. And one of the first things that really struck me was this young person, this young like, child, the amount of talent they have is astronomical. Like you could tell that they really knew what to do. And that was just incredible. Like Millie, Bobby's, Millie Bobby Brown's talent is out of this world. It, like, at such a young age, she captivated me in every single one of her scenes. She did exactly what I think that her character should do. Um, so I'm I, absolutely in awe of her work. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting to, you know, see that she became such an incredible force and always has been and it could have all ended due to one person and that's something you hear all the time that you know it's that old like it's not that old but that Lady Gaga quote where (laughs) she talks about like 99% or 100 people in the room 99% of people um, tell you no it just takes one person or whatever and she like repeated it throughout all of these interviews and became like a meme but at the end of the day You're going to get 99 no's before you get the yes you need, you know? It just depends on how willing you are to hear the no and move on, you know? So the article goes on to say, um, Millie Bobby Brown said the casting director advised her that she'd never make it as an actor because of her maturity. Quote, I always knew that I was immature and I couldn't really help that. Going back to what I said earlier about being kind of very lonely in who I was and feeling like no one was quite like me in school and no one was as mature as I was, hearing that was really hard because I thought maturity was a good thing. And then being told that it wasn't, that I wouldn't make it in the industry was really hurtful. My parents told me just do this one last audition on tape and then you can go outside and play with your friends again. So I said, okay, yeah, I should do this one because it looks cool. Um, she goes on to say, I enjoyed being different people because I always struggled with self-identity and knowing who I was. Even as a young person, I always felt like I didn't quite belong in every room I was in. I always I also struggle with loneliness a bit. I always <laughs> I'm really messing this up. I always felt quite alone in a crowded room, like I was just one of a kind, like nobody ever really understood me. So I liked playing characters that people understood and people could relate to because I felt like no one could relate to Millie. And I thought that was, I'm going to say this a lot. I thought that it was really interesting on so many levels. Because I think that, you know, they say that you're the average of the five people around you. And I really, really, really believe that. Hands down, that's like one of my favorite things ever. Um, and the fact that she felt out of place at, out of place at such a young age... Because she was mature, and her maturity is what really solidified her role as Eleven in Stranger Things, in my opinion, is just like testament that like you can't be doing what everybody else is doing to get to where you want to go unless all of those people are doing exactly what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like if if you want to um, start riding your bike, you can't be on a bus full of people that aren't riding their bike. You know, you have to be the person that says no in that situation. You have to be one of the 99 people in your room that says no to you. And then you have to get on your bike and go. Um, and this Millie Bobby Brown story was, you know, incredible. Imagine telling like a 10 year old, like they're too mature. That's really, that's really wild because I know that growing up, it was always the mature kids that would like, get just as much attention as the incredibly immature kids. It it was either the the class clown or the kid that like had all of their stuff together and like wrote in an agenda and all of that stuff. Um, So, you know, another thing also is that like, I guess we're back to the 99 people thing is that one person's opinion is just an opinion. It, Unfortunately, a lot of those opinions are, you know, sometimes a make or break type of situation. Like this casting director, quote, powerful casting director, you know, can make or break somebody's career. So their opinion does matter. But there's they're not the only casting director out there and they're not the only pathway to success. And Millie found that out. Um, so that was really true. I do want to mention that. But next on our list is Tiffany Haddish, who I actually have her book, The Last Black Unicorn, because I think, you know, her story is also really important because she didn't come from money. She actually was homeless, um, and uh, she was living in her car and doing comedy, and eventually... She landed the movie Girl's Trip in 2017, which is how I think a lot of her fan base knows her now. And before that, though, she had been working at least since 2005. So that's a whole 12 years of doing some small projects and not getting a big break. So that's a ton of no's because in between each project, I'm sure that anybody in a creative industry knows that, or any industry really, you get no's everywhere. That like every every audition, every role that you get actually, in between that are like 10 auditions that people said no to you in. Um, And, uh, you know, the perseverance, the resilience, the discipline for Tiffany to just work those 12 years is just absolutely incredible. Being homeless and still, you know, working in this in in comedy. Um I don't know, I feel like I'm not really expressing this properly, but it's it's, it's absolut- absolutely incredible. She has this little story about how, you know, she would park her car in Beverly Hills, because if she was going to be homeless, she was going to be homeless in the nicest neighborhood, which is actually really, really smart. Um, and Tiffany Haddish, you can tell that, like, she's a very smart woman. Um, but one day, I guess, Kevin Hart found out some one way or another, it was in her book, um, that she was living in her car. And he said that he was going to give her money for a hotel to... To stay at because she, she can't be living in her car, and to this day he's never taken the money back. Um, he's never asked for it back, and I think that's incredible because now they're both worth a lot of money. So money doesn't really mean that much, but um, just to see that there was somebody who would just give it was a, a good amount of money, um, and just never expect that back uh, is quite lovely. I you know I think that's that's true um community right there um to just give um so I did want to mention Tiffany Haddish because I I have her book and she was one of the first people I ever thought of um when I was working with this with this episode um she has another little bit where trigger warning it's abuse um she talks about skip 30 seconds or a minute um she talks about how in another article with Complex by Willie Geist talks about how her mother used to be, or, or maybe she was until death. I don't know, uh, abusive to her, and that's how she kind of got into comedy. And um, at the end of the day, I think some people would call it people pleasing. Um, she said that um, she started to embrace comedy to make her abusive mother happy. I would try to make my mom laugh because if she wasn't, uh, if because if she was laughing, she wasn't hitting. And then the actress then transitioned from making her mother laugh to entertaining large crowds at events as a, quote, energy producer. And if you've seen Tiffany Haddish, you know that she's an energy producer to the max. She has a lot of energy. She knows how to get people going. And um, I think that's one of her best qualities um, is to be able to change the energy of a room. Um, But another person, we'll move on here, that I thought of was Viola Davis and I do want to play this little clip before we continue. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you I don't care what anyone says when you leave this life you want everyone to know that you took up space in it. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Mm -hmm. If I were to be really honest and bold Mm -hmm. I do that through acting because I don't really have well, I do in my life. I have my husband mm-hmm. and my daughter and that makes, and my mom and my si- that makes my life meaningful. But so your work is really important to you. Mm-hmm. It's your stamp. It's part of your legacy. So it hurts when people reject. I have had, I would say, mo- any rejection that I've had where people said that I was not pretty enough for a role really gets on my damn nerves. Mm-hmm. It breaks my heart and it makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, for many reasons. A lot of it is based in race. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, if I had my same features and I were five shades lighter, it would just be a little bit different. Mm-hmm and if i had blonde hair blue eyes and even a wide nose mm-hmm. it would be even a little bit different than what it is now mm-hmm. we could talk about colorism we could talk about race we could, it pisses me off mm-hmm. and it's broken my heart um i any number of projects which mm-hmm.
1: I, now i think that clip is really important um it highlights a lot of different issues like you know race in hollywood and how you know the industry has changed but has it changed enough? You know, it, it's really about changing the whole culture and I could go into it and blah, 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 this and that. But it's, it's the fact that, you know, Viola Davis, she arguably got her most notable break. In, uh, that Those are the words I'll use because again, all of these people might consider their big break a different thing. Um, and uh, that could be not even in their Hollywood career. That could It could have been uh, a breakthrough some other way. But her Oscar-winning role in 2011's The Help, she was 45 years old. Sorry for saying your age, if, if that matters. But I, I think it's important to um, highlight the fact that, like, Viola Davis got her Oscar at 45. I think that our generation our generation being Gen Z, Millennials, Gen, I think Y is the next one. I don't know. I I believe that young people are pushed so hard to succeed young. And I don't appreciate those awards that are like youngest musician to do whatever, youngest actor to do this, um, youngest athlete to whatever. Like I, lovely, lovely. But You know, there's a whole thing about how young athletes, if they achieve young, they burn out, they don't go far, they go, they go big and then they go home. That's what they do. Um, so, you know, I think that it's really nice to see that like age is being kind of talked about, how success later in life is being talked about, and, uh, I know personally, it's really nice because it's, um, it's weird to see people who are like 10 years younger than me, just like being millionaires for this and that and whatever. It's like, good for them. Good for them. Awesome. But I hope, I hope it, uh, you know, they're well, I hope they're well throughout their life. Um, but anyways, moving on Viola Davis found her start later in life she just talked about all of her rejection um not all of it but a lot of it um and kind of why and I wanted to include that story because a lot of a lot of the situations of people of color in Hollywood include being told no because you're not white and uh, that's it's really unfortunate I I believe that you know it's really nice to see more movies centered around people of color but also, more entire casts being centered around people of color you know you can have your token person of color in in any movie and and that's been something throughout history but when the entire cast is not the majority race i think it's i think it's really lovely to see um but moving on we have jeremy renner who everybody knows is a part of the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let, let me tell you, only a year ago did I learn what MCU was. Um, I really sat down and was like, what is MCU? What is MCU? And then I finally searched it up. <laughs> it's just Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I think is really funny um, because I, I totally was watching interviews and be like, MCU, how lovely. It must be like Marvel something. I just knew that it was Marvel. Um, but anyways, Jeremy Renner, he didn't get his big break until 2008 when he was 37 years old, 37 years old in the Hurt Locker. Now that's a movie I have not seen, but, um, another great story about somebody who, you know, found success later in life you know i think that we're also heading into an era where a lot of people have a lot of different careers so we'll find out in a in a minute um that or right now um (laughs) dr ken jong who was in the hangover series avengers crazy rich asians etc so many hit tv series and movies um started I feel like this is very known now because he's done a lot of comedy specials and I feel like he's mentioned it once or twice um but Ken Jeong is a doctor as i just said um and he actually did um stand up during his like m- medicine era his his medicine era oh my god his like you know that part of his life i i think that he still renews his like i don't know what it's called license i think it's a license Every year, just to keep it up. Maybe it's not every year, but every time it expires, he renews it. And I think that's a really cool honor, um, honoring of his past and his roots and his journey to being Ken Jeong, the person we know, the person that's in the MCU. Hey, back to the MCU. Um, And so he did 20 years of comedy on the side of his physician job. And uh, now we know him in all of these things. And, uh, again, it's the perseverance to eventually find the success. You know, I think that's really special. Samuel L. Jackson, his first big role was in Pulp Fiction at the age of 45. Everybody knows Samuel L. Jackson. I didn't know that he found... um, a big break that late in life. I thought that he was always, uh, you know, household name for some reason. But then again, I don't know too much about Samuel L. Jackson, but here he is 45 pulp fiction, Jane Lynch, who was in Glee um, and many other things. (laughs) She had minor roles before hitting it big at 49 in 2009. She joined the cast of Glee as a gym teacher. Everybody loves to hate Sue Sylvester. And I really think um, that's also really cool. 49, that's dedication. Um, That's a true love for the journey and the craft. Because, you know, I like to watch those motivational videos and inspiration this and like learning about people's stories and stuff. And the bottom line, when people say, do something you love, it's really true because if you don't, you know, you're going to burn out, you're not going to enjoy life. Um, and personally, um, I'm not a hedonist, but, um, I do, I do tend to veer towards enjoying things rather than, you know, working hard. Cause I feel like a, a lot of people could achieve generic success in whatever, but it's, it's about the enjoyment, you know? Um, and if people really love, you know, sitting behind a desk and finding success that way, thats awesome for them, they can have their success that way. But if somebody says, I want to paint like 10 paintings every day, that's their success. That's what they love doing. Then that's awesome as well. You know, um, moving on another person in their forties, Alan Rickman, who starred in Die Hard when he was 42. Of course now, um, but of course alan rickman has since passed so rest in peace alan um but he was in sweeney todd the harry potter series as professor snape we all know and love him in that um and many other things alan rickman is a massively incredible artist and has credits that are absolutely just um incredible they go on for days um One last person before we wrap up the episode, we're going to have more editions of this because I really enjoyed going through all of these people who, you know, they're household names, but we don't know their stories. And that's why I love reading memoirs, biographies. That's why I love hearing about people's journeys through articles, interviews, this or that, because, you know, even the people we see every day, our family, our friends, are. Relatives, the the strangers, the baristas, the this, they're that, the bus drivers, everybody has a story, and I think that's just, I don't, I don't want to seem like cliche or cheesy or whatever, but I think it's really magical. Um, I, I absolutely love hearing people's stories. Um, but one last one. Steve Harvey, he tweeted recently, actually yesterday, which was the impetus to finally record the episode because I felt like this was the cornerstone, centerstone, whatever you want to call it, that I was missing. Steve Harvey says, quote, on Twitter, I didn't get into comedy until I was 27. I was homeless from 30 to 33. I lived in car for three years. Don't give up on your dreams. And I think that this tweet went viral. But I think that's really important because he was three years into doing the comedy thing and then he did three years of being homeless in his car and now he's steve harvey and according to a couple websites he's estimated between um 100 million and 200 million in net worth and he's 63 now so that's that's exactly 30 years after being homeless $100 100 million to 200 million in net worth. That's what that can do. That's what perseverance, hearing the no's, and moving on can do. And I, I I really really love this episode. I think it's really important for people to hear. Um, so that being said, next week there's going to be a, a different topic, but there's going to be more additions. This has been nobody asked the podcast. I hope you join whether it's right now listening to another episode or next week listening to the new episode. This has been lovely. I hope you have a lovely day, evening, night, morning, whatever. Um, And this podcast is available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Stitcher, Breaker, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Uh, Please rate this podcast five stars if you believe it deserves it. Comment something really nice below, um, and I'll see you next week.